Watson is described as looking up towards Stapleton's house and he like shakes his fist at it. It's like, why I order? <laughs> <laughs> Stapleton! <laughs> I don't know what what sort of knowledge we've lost about the ability to make a fake beard. But this was presumably convincing enough that the cab guy didn't go, well, he was clearly wearing a fake beard for a start. <laughs> I used to imagine Cartwright, like, traipsing over the moor, keeping his eyes out for the hound, trying to avoid getting sucked into the mud and killed, and just thinking, you just don't, don't know when to quit, do you? You don't know when to walk away. <laughs> Hello, welcome to Shark Liver Oil. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. Hello. Why are we and are we going to do these voices all the way through? <laughs> no, no, I just thought I'd do it a bit of a different. Oh, intro. okay. Sorry, so, I mean, are we going to do these voices all the way through? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, <laughs> uh, we're reading. Uh, this is part three of uh, Arthur and Colin Doyle's The Hound of the Baskervilles. Uh, we're reading from uh, a chapter, chapter twelve, Death on the Moor. <laughs> yes, as far as obviously the end. So, yeah. so it's it's a slightly uh, shorter section. This we often try and do the last one a bit shorter, so we can squeeze in a few reviews at the end. Classic. Um, so uh, okay, so let's let's dive straight into it. So, death on the moor. It's a great place to start, isn't it? Because is, I mean, it was yeah. a great place to to end last week when we sort of weren't yeah. sure what was going to happen next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good place to start for us. I'm not sure it's a good place for the character in question to have ended. <laughs> no. no. Um, it, it starts with, obviously, um, this reunion between Watson and uh, Sherlock Holmes, who's just turned up at this cave because he's been skulking around himself, um, sort of watching, basically watching Watson do the investigation for him. Um, <laughs> and taking the credit as well, doesn't he? He turns up at the end just in time to be like... Oh, well, of course, I was in control of the whole situation. Yes, very good, Watson. Yes, have a little treat. Go on. Go on. Here's a chew toy, Watson. Go into the corner and think about all the things I've done. <laughs> well, Watson's reaction is just sort of gloriously beta male as well. He sort of, it yeah. says, as soon as he sees him, a responsibility was lifted from my soul. He basically sees Holmes and thinks, I, that's my job done yeah, for that's me. me. That's, that's me all the responsibility. Done, that, <laughs> <laughs> just like I, oh, I would love it as well if he was less sort of you know duty bound and if he mm. completely checked out at that point like if he's just like oh thank god Holmes is here marvellous anyway pipe out Holmes is still trying to get information about the case Watson what was the dream no don't care you're here you'll work it out anyway pass me <laughs> pass me the beers would you <laughs> yeah um, the reason Holmes uh, already knew that Watson was there was he noticed his discarded cigarette butt on the, a cigar butt on the floor um, on the way to the on the way to the because, little cave because because Victorian gentlemen were it's, it's little known fact but they literally smoked 24 <laughs> hours a day they were complicated <laughs> apparatus to allow them to smoke even at night um, everybody actually all, all British Victorian males were naturally kind of quite light haired but they just smoked so much tobacco <laughs> That the uh, you know the, the hair was kind of dyed kind of uh, kind of tobaccoy sort of colour. <laughs> I quite like the idea of Watson standing outside this cave, not knowing what who's going to be inside, just having one last smoke with a cigar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bad like, time. <laughs> <laughs> time to break out the good one, eh, chaps? Right now. <laughs> <laughs> and then just leaving the, cig- the cigar just, butt. Yeah, right. exactly. And he goes through this really, really elaborate process of getting his gun cocked in his pocket. By the way, page one, item one in what not to do with a gun. <laughs> but never mind. He's, he's a Victorian gentleman adventurer, so he can get away with that sort of thing right up until the point where he perforates his own frigging colon with it. But never mind. <laughs> And he's he's this whole thing, and he hides in the corner, and he curls up, and he's all set, and and he's left a cigarette butt on the ground outside because because well anybody could have left that. That's not so much a clue as it is. You might as well say rain is a clue, or or wet leaves are a clue. Come on, everybody does that. <laughs> his uh, his rather questionable gunplay um, laid open an amazing line, which unfortunately Holmes didn't take. He could have just as he arrived gone. Is that a gun in your pocket, Mr. Ah! Watson? Are you just pleased to see me? Or are you just very relieved to be taken well, off the case? Well, now, I think the thing is that, you know, we live in we live in an age where Rule 34 is in effect. So, are you you're familiar with Rule 34 of the internet? Uh, no. If you can imagine it, there's porn of it. 
Oh God, yeah, I remember so, this from Jurassic Park. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, as as we ourselves have discovered, at one degree of separation, I hasten to admit my internet browsing history is an open book, and anybody can look at it. But we did find this out when we were uh, reading Jurassic Park. People have even managed to make dinosaur porn, so you know for certain that there is a, a fanfic rewrite of this scene in which, indeed, the line is that an already cocked pistol in your pocket Watson or are you just pleased to see me I'm just pleased to see you said Watson <laughs> oh god and there yeah. we must draw a veil <laughs> uh, well in the, in the real book uh, Watson isn't actually best pleased um, about being lied to um, and Holmes says basically I, I, I lied to you to say I wasn't coming because I couldn't really didn't think I could really trust you to keep the secret <laughs> And obviously, Watson's not happy with that, but he sort yeah. of gets mollified very quickly because Holmes praises his work, and he's just yeah. like, oh, yeah. I'm it is, warm and fuzzy inside. Yeah, very well done, Watson. Yes, very good. Have a chew toy. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, Holmes shares a bit of intrigue with Watson, some of the extra things that he's, he's worked out. One, um, Mr. Stapleton and uh, Laura Lyons have got a bit of a possible thing going on. Ah, mm. a little, which I think is really testament to the paucity of opportunities for a, a woman to have a little bit of fun in a community like this, isn't it? If she's sort of like there's this guy, this apparently mental butterfly enthusiast who lives on a, the, an actual blasted heath, yeah. you know, and and she's like, well, well, him, I suppose. I <laughs> That's all there is. That's all there is. <laughs> Yeah, and um, the X-ray intrigue, that, that, that wasn't bad enough. The big one, the one that knocks it out of the park, Miss Stapleton, his sister, is in fact not his sister, but his wife. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> now, I have to ask you this, because I recently re-listened to last week's episode where on at least three different occasions you referred to her as Mrs. Stapleton. <laughs> Had you read this at that point, and was that just really, like, terrible Freudian slip? Or The weird thing is, no, I hadn't read beyond it. I really hadn't, so it was... <laughs> It was just, yeah, a weird coincidence. But looking back, it looks very suspect now, doesn't it? It does. Well, I mean, I, the, which is why I was surprised, because usually with that sort of thing, like, you're very, very careful. I mean, you know, you, all you need to do is go and listen to our um, our epic trudge, my epic trudge through the Game of Thrones series to this point, not knowing what's happening on the next page, and listening, your, your careful kind of stewarding of Matt's bunker full of spoilers has been has been a, a really you know a, a heroic effort and a heroic achievement. So I was listening to it today and I was like, he can't really have done that on purpose, can he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. If the, uh, that is it, yeah. The thing that the thing that makes it obvious that I haven't read on is if I'm making mistakes like that. Because <laughs> <laughs> you um, see, because you see, you're so good at it that if you make a silly mistake, <laughs> there must be another explanation. That's what you're saying, right? <laughs> Oh yeah, exactly. I'm just like, I'm, I, I, I'd, be, I'd, be the, I'd be the type of serial killer that got like caught for the one that he didn't do. <laughs> he was implicated. If you were a serial yeah. killer, right, anyway. in that extremely macabre hypothetical, right? <laughs> yeah. NSA, you're listening to us, man. I'm telling you. Uh, speaking of um, of killers, so. Um, the uh, what uh, Holmes says to uh, to Watson, you know what? It's um, it's Mr. Stapleton. I've got my reasons. It's definitely him. And Watson sort of is straight on board with it. And I love this quote. It, 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 um, he thinks about uh, Mr. Stapleton as a creature of infinite patience with a smiling face and a murderous heart. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, um, that's like you can imagine a really bad art rock band in university using that as a name, can't you? Mm-hmm. You know, a band trying to be like, and you will know us by the trail of dead. Being called, you know, an infinite whatever it was, I forget the quote, but... <laughs> it's like a Dave Eggers novel title, isn't it? <laughs> and you will know them as the ones with infinite patience with a smiling face and a murderous heart. Exactly. Are playing this afternoon. <laughs> Festival. <laughs> Second really stage, weird. never going to be the main act. 
Never, you know, never going to be a main act, but you know, you probably never heard of them, and that's the way they like it. So, <laughs> now Holmes says he's nearly got enough evidence to to bring in Stapleton, but he needs to keep Sir Henry alive just for a couple more days to just get the last couple of pieces of evidence to to to, to bring him down. At that point, Dave, we hear a scream from the moor. <laughs> Sorry, I should be more intimidated by this. But at this point, I, I don't know if this was because I left quite a big gap between part two and part three, hmm. but um, doing the reading. But at this point, it started to feel a little bit sort of like a fairground ride or a farce, where it's <laughs> like, and then, exactly on cue, ten pages after the last one, there was another eldritch noise from the moors. <laughs> yeah, perfect timing. Or oh, the worst possible timing, I suppose, of your homes. Um, they, they run out onto the moor and they, uh, they find Sir Henry's body at the foot of a cliff. <gasps> and they're devoured, like, oh, crap. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's described with quite a lot of gruesomeness as well, isn't it? Like, it's described yeah. as like his head's folded under his body as if he's, been, he's, as if he's in the middle of doing a somersault. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's grim. And then Watson is described as looking up towards Stapleton's house and he like shakes his fist at it. It's like, why I ought to? <laughs> <laughs> Stapleton! <laughs> I love that reaction. <laughs> it made, that, it made me laugh out loud. As, as Victorian gentlemen do. Because, you know, he can't swear, can he? He can't, you know, you fucking knobend. He can't, yeah. you slag. He can't, he can't start peeling off the Ray Winston impression. So he has to maintain gentlemanly <laughs> behaviour whilst expressing anger. So, don't, you're, 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 you're swine, sir. You're a cat of the fur, a cur of the first order. <laughs> no, um, strangely enough, um, they, they have a closer look at this body and they, they realise even though it's, the guy's wearing Sir Henry's clothes. It's not Sir Henry. It's actually Selden, the uh, the escaped convict. And with this revelation, they are loving it. There's no remorse for Selden. They're like, yes, it's the convict. <laughs> he had it covered anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, they do. At the end of the scene, he, he, I, I imagine um, Arthur Conan Doyle reading it back and being like, Oh, that's not terribly sympathetic, is it? Oh, I'd better put in a line. So he puts in a line where he's like, kind of, you know, it was, it was certainly a somber thing, but at least he, you know, it was at least he deserved to die by his country's <laughs> laws or something. Yeah, yeah, but you can tell the reaction from the characters is just they're almost like, partying. Fucking <laughs> yes, have it, you snap neck bastard. Yeah, <laughs> Watson's basically moonwalking around him. <laughs> <laughs> Whose house? Say what? <laughs> Whose house? Say what? <laughs> Nothing. You're dead. <laughs> the really, I, I, I did feel with Selden, especially from Holmes and Watson's point of view, that it's um, it, it was almost seen as an affront that he you know, he was still alive and he really should have had the death penalty, even though he was like, he was spurred it because he was insane. There's, yes. there's, there's no sort of, you know, lefty bleeding heart, liberal remorse at all, is there about sort of how this bloke's ended up how he is? Yeah, yeah. Which is interesting as well, isn't it? Because they kind of, it's, re it's just a really weird little glimpse into sort of another, a completely other cultural way of doing things in England in the, in the sort of late 1800s, where like, because they they have shown us the kind of human side of you know this guy's got a sister who cares about him and you know and he's he, you know believes in the good in him and and all of that sort of thing and is trying to keep him alive out there um but even though we've been shown that and everybody kind of acknowledges you know what human decency looks like because he's you know I, quite understandably because he's so far outside the law everybody's like no still should die you know there's this weird sort of double think thing going on here um, or maybe it's just decency and I'm just not used to seeing it anymore. But we tend to, you know, whenever we talk about criminals now, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, death's too good for him. Throw the book at him, all of that. Like our public discourse about criminals is very mm. much vengeful. Whereas this is far more, oh, he broke the law and he's a bad sort, so he dies. But, you know, I'm still a human being and everything, you know. Um, weird mm. little difference, you know. Yeah. Now, Stapleton turns up just so happens he's 
around just and just um, by checking in the in the moonlight wandering across the moor how do you pull that off and try and make that look nonchalant he does his absolute no, best yeah he, goes, <laughs> he sort of turns up and does his the oh oh what's happened here <laughs> body is it, is it? oh good, good like he's all but whistling doesn't he even do like a double take or something before the double take was invented he's, i he sort of walks in hands in his pockets whistling away <laughs> good, just, good, good, good heavens so, imagine seeing you fellows here in, in the middle of a dark night and the bottom of a cliff with a body i i, I i'm astonished <laughs> he does do a quite a good job of covering up his surprise when he realises it isn't actually Sir Henry. It turns out that yeah. the reason this is, confusion has come about is because Sir Henry gave away some of his clothes to uh, the butlers, and the butlers have obviously passed them on to Selden to wear. Yeah. There you go. <sighs> An act of kindness has caused his death. Yeah. It's probably something in that. Yeah, there's irony right. in that. If we were better at analysing works of art, we'd probably be able to get into it, wouldn't we? All we can do is stand at the Shark Liver Oil distance and ruin people's reputations while saying, there's probably something in that. Ooh. Yeah, that's the analysis you, you tune in for. There's probably something in that. <laughs> Suggested secondary tagline after last week's uh, fictional character assassination. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, you're right. It's, it's, it's obviously it's very it's ironic. Um, so Henry is uh, due to visit the Stapletons later on. Actually, speaking of him, and um, mm. Holmes and Watson play it cool in front of Stapleton because they don't have enough evidence to to convict yet. So mm. um, it looks like they've got some. Well, Holmes is forming some kind of plan, which mm. even at this stage you can kind of tell it. It looks like it's going to include using Sir Henry as bait. <laughs> so. <laughs> And because he's Sherlock Holmes, nobody goes, Holmes, is there not any other way in your enormously inventive hindbrain that we can prevent this man from being killed without putting him in a position where he's likely to be killed? Does seem to no. me to be, you know, lengthening the odds in our favour and shortening the odds for the other guy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, so we get to chapter 13 which is the sort of putting this plan into practice it's called fixing the nets mm. um, we we first meet Selden's sister Mrs. Uh, Barrymore who um, is weeping for for Selden obviously there's a little bit of human side of the thing there and yeah. I think Watson comes up with quite a good phrase sort of you know it would be an evil man indeed who doesn't have anyone to weep for him um, yeah so it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's it's kind of still used to bash the guy over the head. Like even he has someone who's crying for him. <laughs> even this complete bastard has somebody who cares about him. Yeah. Um, so Henry has actually been staying indoors on um, on Holmes and Watson's instruction. That's why he wasn't out on the moors. Um, <laughs> Holmes is a bit of berating everybody. He basically says. Um, you know, actually, I should arrest up the entire household for aiding a criminal, to be honest. And yeah. so Henry basically just ignores him. <laughs> yes, like, yeah, yeah, anyway. <laughs> well, obviously you won't, because I have Sir in front of my name. So let's all move along. <laughs> yeah, I just love how completely nonchalant he is with that. He's not even remotely bothered about Holmes. He's sort of like vague threat or, or any kind of anger. It's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, well, you will, will you? Oh, <laughs> Great. On to the important stuff. Let's, let's try to get this this guy who isn't a sir arrested, can we? <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's a, there's a poor person who's running around doing whatever he damn well pleases, and I must say, I've had enough. <laughs> um, while they're having the chat, Holmes notices the family portraits, and um, and Hugo Baskerville, this guy, you remember the, the bad head, the bad one, who... Yeah. Um, who Bad the whole sort of yeah the whole the whole legend of the hound came up around after he chased yeah. after that girl, um, yeah. he looks remarkably like Stapleton. Uh, now, and this means that Stapleton is a Baskerville, basically. But yeah. at this point, I thought like it was basically Stapleton in a wig, and they like <laughs> planted the painting to create the legend. <laughs> <laughs> I did think that as well. I was like, that is a strange thing to hang your entire story off, isn't it? Like a strong family resemblance in a in a portrait. It's not like a photo or anything. It's just, you know, he painted him a bit. Oh, he's got brown eyes. It definitely must be him. He's related. Bastards. 
<laughs> I just love that as an intricate part of Stapleton's plan. He's dressed up in like these old clothes, got someone to paint him, and then smuggled the picture into the, <laughs> into the Yeah, house. and that's how he bolsters his claim. Look, look, you must see over there. Do you not notice the, the particular kind of set to the jaw? And if it turns out that the artist wasn't very good, everybody's going, no, I can't really see it. Yeah, yeah. looks what? nothing like him. I mean, I... He's got a nose, I suppose, it's a bit, bit similar. No, but you don't see how cunningly the, the, the I mean, how, how effectively and how, with what similarity his nose resembles my own. And, of course, the ears and the, okay, officer, I'll come quietly. <laughs> What's that in the background of the picture? It looks like a butterfly net. Oh, shit, I told him not to pay. <laughs> no, but you see, even, even then, my, my ancestor, clearly Lepidopteries, uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, an inherited trait. I'll, uh, sorry, officer. I will. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah. So that that the, the thing that we should take from that is that Stapleton is in fact a sort of few times removed member of the Baskerville family. So obviously stood to inherit. Um, were were um, Sir Henry and Sir Charles to both die? Yeah. Um, the plan is put into place. Uh, Holmes and Watson tell Sir Henry that they're off back to London. And Sir Henry's quite understandably gutted about this. He's like, feels a bit abandoned. <laughs> yeah, they should, but because they walk away with great nonchalance as well. Like, Holmes is just like, you must do whatever I tell you to do, okay? Okay, stay here. I'll, I'll come right back. You know, it's like playing hide-and-seek with a child. Like, they just saunter off with their hands in their pockets, you know, leaving this man to his doom. Yeah, and, and also, after spending weeks telling him on no account go out on the moors, they say, oh, and when you go see Stapleton later on, make sure you walk back across the moor, you know, don't <laughs> worry about that. It's, I, you can see why Sir Henry's looking at it thinking, they've basically given up on me and thought, you know what, it's best if he gets off. <laughs> <laughs> if they've just given up on him as a person, if they just, like, take take the mean girl's way out and just be like, oh, gosh, you're just so lame. No, no. Just give up on him. It's better if you're dead now. <laughs> it could be. It it could be read in a different way, as if like Holmes is some like not very good like uh, Machiavellian kind of guy who's like after being insulted about um, his threat to, <laughs> to arrest him says right. Well, in that case, I'm off. And uh, if you could just walk across the moor on the way home tonight, then uh, you're more than welcome to. Yeah, exactly. And you must trust me. <laughs> You'll be fine. It's, it's, it's like like Jose Mourinho finally loses his crap, and that's how he starts man managing people. Well, you don't want me here, you know. I don't know. I'll be I'll be back off then. I'll see you later. But you know, do make sure to walk home blindfolded on a busy road, won't you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you, you're making light of my threat to arrest you, right? Well, I'm off. Uh, enjoy the rest of your short life on this. On this <laughs> In, enjoy the astonishing brevity of your life without my protective genius. Uh, yeah, so they're, they're off to town, yeah. um, uh, Holmes and Watson. Uh, on the way to the station, they go to see Laura Lyons um, as the net draws to a close around. Um, they, they talk about, um, Holmes said this, in the earlier chapter about the net uh, closing around the lean-jawed pike, as he describes the uh, Mr. Stapleton. Mm. And I quite find it quite endearing how Watson comes out with exactly the same phrase a chapter later. He's like, yeah, yeah, Holmes, isn't it? Because it's drawing close around the lean-jawed pike, isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> yes, Watson, that's very good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. It really is. It's an older brother, younger brother sort of vibe, isn't it? It's sort of like, is this cool? Am I cool? Are we doing a cool thing here? <laughs> Yeah, so they they reveal to Laura Lyons that Stapleton's sister, Stapleton, the guy who's you know been making making sexy eyes at her, um, his sister is He's been in making fact, sexy eyes at every frigger, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I imagine Watson's taking a particular pleasure in this as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, sexually frustrated as he is. Um, yeah, they, they tell him that Stapleton's sister is in fact Stapleton's wife. Um, and not his sister. <laughs> Probably, dun, best dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Probably best to clarify that. Not also his sister. Um, yeah, and this is all Laura Lyons needs to sort of tell all in a fit of fury. She's like, his wife, is he? Well. <laughs> <laughs> right. Get ready for a tale. <laughs> um, she basically says he offered to marry Laura Lyons if she got a divorce. And... Um, 
Stapleton later told her to, like, dictated the letter that he told her to send to Sir Charles to get him to stand at the gates when the whole plan was put in motion. Oh, he's a wrong one, isn't he? Hmm. I was a little bit sort of suspicious of this Laura Lyons as well, because, like, how she... I mean, it turns out she was innocent, but protests her innocence, sort of. Yeah, and then he asked me to send this letter and then told me not to turn up, so obviously I didn't turn up, and then suddenly he was dead. (laughs) Can't see that. (laughs) And, uh, oh, yeah, I'm still up for marrying him as well. But, um, <laughs> definitely still keen definitely still keen <laughs> yeah but this is another key pe- uh, piece of evidence in the case the building against uh, against uh, Stapleton uh, the last thing that we see in this chapter they head over to the train station not to leave but to meet uh, Lestrade who apparently he seems to be the muscle of the operation they've sort of brought him in because it's, it's going to kick off now he's this little yeah. sort of squat tough guy yeah but isn't it weird that He's, isn't he like Chief Inspector of Scotland Yard? <laughs> you would have thought, wouldn't you, that if Holmes sends a telegram saying, Lestrade, come at once to the middle of nowhere, I need you. <laughs> um, Lestrade would have cabled back, sorry, mate, no can do. <laughs> got to commit a meeting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He's got to speak before Parliament. Got to, you know, like, that's the sort of level the Chief Inspector is at. He's not on the, oh, of course I'll come down and stand completely in the dark, in the dark, while you execute whatever plan you have. This is my only function. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's just a, a good indication of just how... Um how how high regard Holmes is like they probably cancelled the committee meeting or anything yeah, like Holmes exactly. meet him he's got to go <laughs> <laughs> he's received an urgent telegram from Sherlock Holmes say no more say no more <laughs> yeah uh, so we move on to uh, chapter 14 the hound of the Baskervilles here we go um, to the moor they, they head <laughs> off <laughs> um, to, to, to. What? Watson running behind them doing a fake trumpet. <laughs> um, so they head over initially to the Stapleton house and Watson's sent in as like secret agent to scope it out. Um, and he creeps up to the window, sees Sir Henry and Mr Stapleton in the sort of back room having a drink. No sign of Miss Stapleton though. Uh, so... I wonder mm. what's going on there. Yeah. Maybe he's just, maybe they've just got him wrong and he's just a very sort of, you know, very reconstructed gent and he's not about to assume that his wife slash sister should do the cooking in the house. Maybe he's, you know, go on, love, go go off down the bingo. Go on, have a nice night out. Look, I'll, I'll cook for him. Don't worry about it. <laughs> the Victorian bingo. The Victorian bingo hall, the well-known bingo <laughs> halls which have been around since Victorian times. Yes. Uh, so... Um, they sneak back and they're lying in wait basically to ambush they're basically waiting to ambush Stapleton when Stapleton ambushes Sir Henry on the way home but as often happens in the UK fabled British weather arrives to (laughs) ruin all plans and and the fog moves in from the mitre (laughs) yeah yeah, I thought this was quite well written, though, the approach of the fog, which... Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I'm English as well, so somebody saying the weather was about to take a turn for the less pleasant is a little mm. bit like saying occasionally it's lighter at noon than it is at midnight. It should just be a complete shrug, but he managed to write it as another kind of approaching peril. Um, mm. So I actually really liked it. I thought it played really well. Yeah. So they um, they moved to a slightly higher ground. They're trying to sort of strike the balance here between getting to high enough ground so they can see what's going on but not being so far away that they miss the action if you like because this is a matter of life and death you know the guy's getting killed if they don't stop it in time yeah yeah Um, it's quite a gamble um so henry wanders past and immediately this hound arrives and attacks it basically is described as this sort of enormous black beast breathing fire as it charges past them and yeah, this was a bit of a shock to me because I always assumed that the hound was a, a myth. Yeah, and me then it too. turns up you're like what? <laughs> yeah, like a Hollywood special effect as well. Um, <laughs> like, and, and it, it is like, yeah, it was a real like kudos to him as a storytelling device. It's spectacular, you know, because you I, you read the paragraph mm. at least twice. You're like. Yeah, yeah, and the dog ran out of the mist with his jaws on fire and the eyes glowing, its legs were on... What? And you roll back and you read it again, um, which, of course, is the purpose, and, you know, you're completely hooked. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
the the the, the hound attacks Sir Henry, and um, sort of Holmes jumps out. And basically, in sort of like classic American action hero fashion, empties a clip into it. Like he just enters his entire entire gun into it. It's like six shots or whatever to, yeah. to bring it down. Yeah. Um, and then, like, <laughs> I love how like he ki- he manages to kill the hound before it kills Sir Henry. And like Lestrade, the guy they've brought in as the muscle, sort of jogs up behind them with some brandy to revive Sir Henry. That's his, <laughs> that's his entire usefulness. Police <laughs> official issue brandy as well. I bet, it, I bet it's rubbish brandy as well. Here you go, old chap. This will bring you back to the land of the living or, or indeed finish you off. But uh, kill or cure, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they examine the, the hound and they find that there's phosphorus on the animal, which is, which is what is obviously because when it contacts with water or saliva it turns into fire so um it, that's what's given it this uh this hor- horrendous horrific appearance and the fact it's just a massive dog as well which yeah. some people would say is scary enough anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah well yeah and um I, I wasn't sure about this i mean so you know doing something clever with chemicals is very sort of spirit of the age way of making the mm. apparently magical actually out of science mm. but um and they say, you know, oh, it's a very good idea. It was phosphorus, of course, doesn't smell of anything, so it wouldn't. But how much control will you have over a dog which you specifically purchased because it's massive, terrifying, able to kill people and not terribly controllable? Like, how much control would you have over it in order to be able to rub phosphorus on its face and come away with all your fingers intact? Do you know what I mean? Come here, here we go. It's going to burn, but and we've done this before, of course. So now you know it's going to burn, but I'm still going to rub it on you for uh, because the plot needs me to. Like, I, it would have been funnier. Or it would have been more, more sort of very similitude for me if Stapleton had been seen around Coombe Tracy, like with increasingly battered fingers, hands, and forearms. Just like <laughs> I say, Stapleton, old man, what's been happening to you? You, you seem to be more patched up every time I see you. <laughs> oh, oh, oh I've, I've been wrestling. No. Butterflies have been terrible. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Go through as soon as look at you. I've got to admit the the sort of whole smearing phosphorus training the animal sort of thing. I did think some reading it. It's a bit of a stretch. This, but go on then. I'll I'll just I'll just not think about it too much. Yeah, there were a few moments towards the end of this book where there, a plot hole would present itself. <laughs> And, then, and I'd be like, and even I, and I actually only usually come up with the, the plot holes in this sort of apparently, like, insightful whatever. I only come up with it when you tell me what happens in the book. Like, while I'm reading the book, I'm like a child. I'm like, oh wow, dog, phosphorus, ooh, cool. I, I, I honestly do consume fiction like Father Dougal Maguire from Father Ted. Like, I'm just I'm completely guileless. Even I was noticing these plot holes. And then about two pages later... There's a sentence where Dr. Watson goes kind of, uh, and I, of course I wondered why plot hole. And of course yeah. the answer was plot hole explanation, thin pulled <laughs> over a gaping hole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there isn't more than a, a couple of occasions where that happens here. Yeah, and he was supposed to be like on top of his game as well, Conan Doyle at this point. He's already killed Sherlock Holmes once. He's already thought he's done everything he can with the character. <laughs> and then yeah. he comes out and publishes this doesn't even bother to fix the plot before he writes it. Oh. <laughs> Arthur, Arthur. Um, so they, they see the, the phosphorus and the animal, they see that he's dead. Um, they immediately run off to, um, to the Stapleton household to try and find the guy now. I thought it was a bit strange because they just leave Sir Henry just sort of sitting there on the moors on his own after he's just nearly been killed by the guy <laughs> and he's still at large. <laughs> Here we go, fellows, off we go. I'm sure nothing bad can happen behind us. <laughs> that would have yeah. been a better end to the book as well, wouldn't it? Is if he'd end up, you know, they'd end up finding finding Stapleton in the act of killing, um, killing Sir Henry as well. Mm. Oh, God, we're stupid. But, of course, that would never happen, right? Yeah. Why not, why not at least leave Lestrade with him? Because he seems like he's not got about to take the brandy because that's all he's good for and leave him with <laughs> Because um, yeah. they, they go they go to the Stapleton's house. Stapleton isn't there, um, but they they break into this room and find Miss Stapleton like tied up, bloody and, hell, and unconscious. And this is the point where Lestrade again leaps into action with his magic brandy to revive her. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's like an eye. It's like one of those like power up items in a game, isn't it? It's like use the magic brandy again. <laughs> use the magic brandy. Use the magic brandy. Like um, like uh, I was playing XCOM. XCOM, fantastic <laughs> game. And uh, and there's one of the you know when you try and heal somebody in that game, like one of one of their squad mates runs over to them with a med kit and sort of goes, you know, says something. And the other day, I heard one of them going. Um, Med kits fix everything. Here you go. It'll be fine. <laughs> it's like that, but with alcohol. And I just love Victorian medical practice. <laughs> alcohol fixes everything. Alcohol fixes everything, as far as I know. <laughs> Come on, let's drive into town together. <laughs> yeah, I do find the the uh, reputation stroke actual what he does um, comparison for Lestrade quite striking. The fact that he is brought in as a as a heavy, and he basically just jogs behind them, offering a brandy at Vega Games. I was going to say, he's less muscle and more barman, isn't he, really? Yeah, yeah. Cosmopolitan, anybody? <laughs> Mojito? I'm Chief Inspector Lestrade, the finest drinks mixologist in the whole of Scotland Yard. <laughs> and it rhymes. It could be on his business card. Oh, you see? Yes, it's oh. Which what we need to do now is write a series of spin-off fiction featuring Chief Inspector Lestrade in a kind of like a Sherlock Holmes cocktail mashup with Tom Cruise as Chief Inspector Lestrade, who's got tired of chasing around after Sherlock Holmes and decided to pursue his first love in mixing cocktails. <laughs> yeah, um, they uh, they untie Miss Stapleton. They give her the magic brandy. She, she comes to, and she says that Mister Stapleton's run off. Um, to the hill past the mire because he knows a secret way through which they've sort of they marked with these various sticks um, mm. like earlier on mm. uh, but the, the fog's now so thick that they can't risk going through themselves so they have to leave him for the night yeah. so we wait till the next day where they do sort of make their way through the mire they see these sticks which um, give them the safe passage through Mm. Um, Holmes nearly kills himself um, trying to retrieve the missing boot that they see uh, discarded nearby he mm. nearly sort of sinks in the mire going after it um, and it turns out that is the only sort of sign that Stapleton's been there There's, they, don't, they never find him and they assume he's died on the mire um, although they do see find evidence of where the hound's been kept and um, oh the little, the little skeleton of poor Dr. Malsimer's dog um, <laughs> I assume they, they say a few words and respectfully retrieve the, the skull for Dr. Morrison to <laughs> examine later on. Imagine that's the scene I want as a, a post-credit scene, isn't it? They walk into with this sort of like preserved dog's head, whack it on the table. There you go, Jim. Another one for you. My hypothesis is you'll find out that he really loved biscuits. <laughs> Yeah, and he sort of, Morsimer just sort of shakes his head, has takes a moment, and then just goes, it's what he would have wanted. Starts, <laughs> starts his examination. <laughs> Outstanding. Uh, we're on to chapter 15, a retrospection. This is some time later, and they're looking back on the case. And I think this is what you refer to with the sort of um, Arthur Conan Doyle sort of last chance to paper over a couple of the plot holes that is created. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we find out that, um, yes, uh, Stapleton was a Baskerville. Um, he bought this dog in London and basically sort of got got the train and then got off at a station quite far away and walked to the mire to, to avoid suspicion. Yeah. Um, his wife sort of wouldn't go along with the plan and be used as bait to kill Sir, Sir Henry, and that's why she ended up getting tied up. God. The um, mind boggles as to what she would have been used for as bait as well. Given mm. gender politics of this book, she probably would have been sent off to walk across the moor, you know, wearing nothing but a, a sort of muzzle and a sign saying, help me, I am a woman and I am helpless. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It turns out, yes, that the hound did cause Sir Charles' death. Basically, it turned up and chased him. Sir Charles died of a heart attack and the hound sort of just had a sniff of him and wandered off. Um, mm. stay, uh, the the guy with the beard um, who was following them in London was in fact mm. Stapleton apparently um, he bought oh. a fake beard <laughs> yeah. and he um, knew even then that he was uh, that he was being followed by Mr Sherlock Holmes yeah yeah, yeah. I like how um, 
straight up. I just love the idea of him buying a fake beard. It's so like it's so twee that day. It's like it I've is, got a fake beard. That's <laughs> right, and and it apparently looks convincing enough. I don't know what what sort of knowledge we've lost about the ability to make a fake beard, but every fake beard I've ever seen has been of the sort of cheap kind of fancy dress party sort of pub crawl version where you mm. just sort of it's you know it's essentially a few little sort of cotton buds dyed brown and then stuck in a strange shape around the bottom half of your face mm. but this was presumably convincing enough that the cab guy didn't go well he was clearly wearing a fake beard for a start which was odd <laughs> yeah do you notice anything strange about the guy well Apart from the fake beard, not really. <laughs> no, no, nothing, nothing. A fake beard, was it? Oh, yeah, yeah, you should have seen it. <laughs> like a Blue Peter project on his chin. <laughs> um, the, uh, his wife, Stapleton's wife was behind this warning letter to Sir Henry. Even then, she was trying to sort of intervene mm. and uh, keep, him, keep him safe, I suppose. Um, she, she did write it from a hotel room. It just so happened the kid just didn't find it. The teenager he sent her with all that money. So, hmm. again, like you said before, begs the question whether or not he just sort of pocketed the cash and went, nope, nothing turned <laughs> up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, oh, yeah, this this palaver with the boots. Do you know when Sir Henry kept losing his boots? Yeah. Um, it turns out the reason for that, the first boot that they stole was a new one, so it didn't smell of him. So they had to steal another one um, to obviously get the sense to give to the hound. How far back towards Devon do you think he got before he realised, hang on a second, this smells the same as all other shoes. If I'm not careful, this dog's just going to run around Coombe Tracy and the moor, killing everybody with leather on their feet. <laughs> Which is almost everyone. Needs yeah, exactly, like a canine serial killer sort of thing. <laughs> Yeah, so that's a, a rundown of sort of how we got to where we were. Oh, also, he, he got a lot of money from a various other thefts at Stapleton for a while. Um, but we, I think we find out that Sherlock Holmes first suspected Stapleton. Um, he may have said this earlier, actually, after letting slip to... Uh, Stapleton said to Watson that he used to be a teacher, and that was the sort of thread that Holmes pulled out to find his sort of old identity. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I like I like that Holmes goes straight to you know. This is the easiest thing in the universe. Once you know somebody's been a teacher, of course, <laughs> just go on friendsreunited.com/teachers, <laughs> or you know whatever it is. However, apparently there's some sort of nat- national registry system for teachers. <laughs> uh, very forward-looking for the Victorian era. Yeah, I suppose it's the kind of thing that you'd read. It, it would be like less realistic uh, if you're reading this years ago, but would also cement the position of Holmes as being something quite special. Whereas yeah. now, with, with so many records kept on everybody, mm. it, it wouldn't be that you would imagine someone with a few connections like Holmes would actually find it that difficult to find out, like, do those kind of searches now. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So it's obviously much more of a feat back then than it would be today um oh the 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 village boy who was bringing him who was bringing home's food when Mm. he was hiding out on the moors was uh was cartwright i think that's the guy who he gave the money to 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 do the sort of investigation so so fair enough he has put the hours in hasn't he cartwright he hasn't just taken you know a year's wages off of (laughs) homes for for tips run around the corner a couple of times come back going no couldn't find anybody spent all the money though (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> See you later. Do you reckon he did that? And then Holmes sort of like sent him a message again saying, I've got another job for you. And he was like, he jumped up. Yes, yeah, yeah. So what, what, where do I need to investigate now? How much money are you going to give me for this? I need you to, yeah, yeah, come with me to the countryside and bring me food for a couple of weeks. Right. <laughs> so not take some money and do some kind of investigating myself. No, you definitely don't want me to do that. No, it's it's... Bringing food to you for two weeks. Yes. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> uh, so I assume since you were so enthusiastic last time, you'd be enthusiastic this time, yes? Oh, by the way, it involves walking across an enormous blasted landscape trying to stay hidden, and there's, there's a solid chance that there is some sort of horrible, dangerous wolf beast loose on <laughs> this particular moor. You in? <laughs> And even if you don't um, get attacked by that, you may get sucked down to the depths of the mire. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the ground itself may try and eat you even if the dog doesn't. 
<laughs> I pay sixpence a week plus expenses. <laughs> I just imagine Cartwright like traipsing over the moor, keeping his eyes out for the hound, trying to avoid getting sucked into the mud and killed, and just thinking, you just don't don't know when to quit, do you? You, you don't know when to walk away. <laughs> That's a good thing going. <laughs> yeah, he's the guy who like keeps going back to the casino after he's won. He puts his winnings back onto the table. <laughs> Yeah, you had to go for Bully's special prize, didn't you? <laughs> this is what happens. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's that. They, they think, um, they consider the fact that Sir Henry now, a nervous wreck, and having to go on holiday to recover, basically shattered nerves. Um, they're like, yeah, the fact that we had to get Sir Henry attacked by that beast was regrettable. <laughs> but, you know, we did what regrettable. we had to do. <laughs> now, I want to hear him stand up in court and say that. In the case of R versus Sherlock Holmes... Sherlock Holmes being held responsible for the murder of of uh, Sir Henry Baskerville. Is it the case, sir, that you allowed him to walk around near a horrible dog that was ready to eat him? Yes, it is. Why? I'm a genius. You wouldn't understand. You know, like I just really want to see what his explanation for that would be if it all went tits up. Which we have to say is like nine out of ten times that's what would happen. Yeah. Um, we get a very brief passage about the possible guilt of Miss Stapleton, basically coming down on the side of she wasn't that guilty. She went along with the pretend to be my husband's sister gag. But apart from that, when it got to the Mary's. can you help me murder the guy, she drew a line under it. So, yeah. I mean, she still didn't go to the police, but, you know. That's that's very true. There are a number of points during this where somebody says, no, that's an unacceptable thing to do and I will not go along with it, but doesn't take the next step of going, and of course I will be informing the proper authorities about this because you, sir, are fucked and no mistake. They just yeah. kind of go, well, there's nothing I can do about it. I, uh, I, my, my, uh, my, my resistance is passive. <laughs> Um, and uh, finally, the how did Stapleton expect to get away with it? Um, he was hopeful, hoping to maybe inherit the house um, after fleeing to South America. He was going to take a trip down South America <laughs> and hide out there. <laughs> classic, classic. Because uh, well that, that's where he was originally from. Are we to take, um, take it that, and I think it was kind of hinted at earlier in the story, that Miss Stapleton is actually from sort of South America? Yeah, but only because of something I read after this, like towards the end of the book, where yeah. they say, you know, she kind of, she looked in some way South American. So yeah. I was wondering if I just missed that earlier on or whether we only find out now. It's the final twist in the tale. I definitely, I definitely didn't see it earlier on. It's very possible that I've missed it, but it's also very possible that Arthur Conan Doyle's bodge job of an ending for this book was just like, oh, and by the way, she was South American, yes. <laughs> no, I told you that earlier on. Don't go back and look, just trust me. <laughs> yeah, and then we get to the end, and uh, Holmes basically says, well, that's explained. Let's go to the theatre and get something to eat on the way. And it's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All you need. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that is exactly it, isn't it? All you need is the, um, the, the cheesy one-liner right at the end, and then it freezes in the middle of their laughter executive producer's name comes up on screen and and the saxophone kicks in with a sort of jaunty version of the theme tune (laughs) and guest starring somebody you've never heard of as the villain (laughs) and then it's like slow motion uh, headshots of them all like looking up and looking serious (laughs) (laughs) love it um, yeah, so that's the end of the of the Hound of the Baskervilles. Um, you just give you sort of your reaction, Dave. What do, you, what do you make of it as a whole now we've come to the end of it? Um, it's weird, isn't it, when you approach one of these sort of classics and you almost feel like every response that's going to be had has been had already. Um, so I, I think, like, it was, it was definitely a good thriller. I don't quite understand why this has spawned, like, a whole branch of um, scholarship. Because, and there is, Sherlockology is a thing, right? Um, uh, So it seems weird to me that it should inspire that kind of devotion. Because like I say, there are a number of fairly serious plot holes in it. Um, All of which are kind of patched up with string and sellotape in the last couple of paragraphs. Which feels fairly lazy to me. Um, But overall, it was a fantastic ride. It was great. Um, 
you know, fun, interesting, bit weird that Sherlock Holmes wasn't in most of it. Um, and not as creepy as I remember, but that might be because I have internalised the habit now of kind of pre-mocking a book uh, in, in a shark liver oil manner, although I hope not, um, <laughs> while I'm doing it. But, um, yeah, no, overall, I, I enjoyed it. It was a good read. It was, you know, it, it was a, a really, really effective thriller, certainly by no means the best I've ever read. But, um, but it, you know, grabbed me by the lapels and didn't let me go, and that's what you want. So, yeah. great. Yeah, I'd How agree. I, yeah, I just really... That was one of those ones where it's don't think too hard about the plot holes, just enjoy the ride. And if you do, yeah. um, it holds up remarkably well, considering... Um, how long ago it was written and it's one yeah. of those ones and we'll come to some of the reviews in a minute but a lot of people who came to this for the first time um especially if you have to do it at school mm. um it's it's very uh, it gets a lot of good reviews from students who say you know i was expecting it to be really hard to get into and it's actually surprisingly accessible for such a sort of victorian yeah. like classic. classic yeah exactly um, yeah. i mean i find it much more accessible than something like i mean dickens is quite accessible as well but I think this is even easier to get into. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Kind of good. And again, yeah. I, I would say comparing it to the the one the Poirot book we read recently, I much preferred this. Um, yeah, largely because he sort of, I think the the elements of the mystery when they are uncovered are explained as they go more often. Um, yeah. I think Holmes is as you, as we said before, as and you said that he's he he only really does this just to show how superior he is to everybody but I still yeah. do like the fact that he does explain stuff as he goes rather than just do the Poirot I know things I'm not <laughs> going to tell you why <laughs> <laughs> that's true isn't it I this is really interesting actually because I've never read sort of mystery novels in this sort of depth before we've done you know this one and, and um, the death of Roger Ackroyd uh, quite recently so it's been interesting to engage with it and sort of see that your standard mystery book has things that the author is definitely going to do at a certain point and i'm i can't really work out if that means that it's less or more interesting as a genre because there's a bit of me that's just like well if you're always going to do that that's not very inventive is it but at the Mm. same time um it does work you know it you know the roller coaster might not be terribly well painted but it still flings you around and you still get an adrenaline rush from it you know Mm. um so yeah i i don't know i i can't work out if this sort of you know, very plot dependent thing where the, the plot is everything, and so if you if there's a plot hole, it stands out a mile away. Hmm. Um, I can't decide whether that's a a really smart whether that's okay or not. Whether that makes it you like a good genre or not. But mm-hmm. yeah, um, so we've got a, a little bit of feedback to get through. Um, firstly, um, we got a, a bit from uh, Simon uh, who says. Uh, if you want to get in touch yourselves, you can contact us sharkliveroyalpodcast at gmail.com that's sharkliveroyalpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at sharkliveroyal um, Simon says that the, the Baskerville name um, is based on uh, the Baskervilles from the West Midlands um, oh, really? who, who made an improved printing basically improved printing press uh, they were basically the Apple guys of the time uh, Simon says oh, so uh, um, oh you could do a murder mystery in Silicon Valley couldn't you <laughs> my word yes these sort of, particularly in that sort of everybody wants to be Steve Jobs and everybody's just been given $100 million by their venture capitalist sort of environment and everybody reckons all you need to do to fix the problem is chuck money at it. Yeah. Oh, you could write a great novel in that. Oh. Yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. So, so there is a, a real a real life Baskerville family, apparently. Um, mm, there you go. There you there go. You go yeah. Now I think about it, there was somebody called Baskerville that I went to school with. I wonder if they're any relation. Well, maybe because he was originally from Wolverley, this guy. So, oh, um, sort of really? Kidderminster way. Yeah, sort of black that's, that's not far away from where I'm from. Ooh, mm. Ooh how interesting. Mm. Mm. Yeah, you see. Um, mm. So, just a little bit of sort of uh, real life background there. Um, we've got a collection of, of reviews mm. uh, from, from. Here we go. A couple of people who've written in and a couple of people who've written on the internet and given we 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 ask for a star rating one to five. Stuart gave it a four star. Oh. And he said a truly great mystery full of atmosphere and high paced storytelling. I think that's quite that's quite good because yeah the the thing that he really counts in this book's favour is that it is very it's, the pace is great, isn't it? There's there's not a lot yeah. of time to sit and ponder things, or a probably good thing because then you start to get 
digging into the sort of the possible plot holes but yeah. um but it, yeah it keeps going it moves at a decent pace mm. um which i often can find a bit of a problem with some um classics just you're just waiting for things to happen because they, they luxuriate in these fantastic descriptions and wonderful mood setting and you know That's add, adding depth to character and things which is all great but they sometimes love a like, painted block of prose don't they yeah the and sometimes you yeah sometimes you're like just give me more plots what's yeah. happening you know um, yeah. other end of the spectrum robin gave it two stars his review quite simply is i had to read this for school <sighs> Oh, it's it's an absolute killer, isn't it? Like, yeah. it, there's nothing for killing the the impact of a book like having it on a school curriculum, yeah. and obliging people to read it. Um, although I have to say this, that's also a massive payday for any author because mm. you know up and down the land, thirty kids at a time buy copies of your book. So yeah. I I do wonder what where the split is between authors who are like, oh god, nobody will like it, and <laughs> people who are like, yeah, I can buy a house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the vast majority will be the latter. Yeah, um, well, yeah. I mean, given how much work you have to do for free or next to nothing as an author, like, fair play, take yeah. the payday. As far as I'm concerned, <laughs> Catherine gave it five stars, and she said, "I'm speechless." The Hound of the Basketballs is a six-star book, so she's gone one better. Not, not sure. Stars. I agree with that. Yeah, this this one goes to eleven. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a good one, isn't it? They had the basketballs, but I'm not quite sure I got that far either. Six yeah, star would be the, the greatest best book, book ever. I've ever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like kind of you, you'd be up there with sort of like you know War and Peace, Middlemarch, yeah. <laughs> How to the Baskervilles. Yeah, but I I suppose for some people it is. Um, if yeah. you if yeah, it really enough, sort of yeah. grabs you, and um, especially if um, if you don't read many classics and you sort of. You finally find one that you actually enjoy reading. You probably puss it right up there because it's a finally a actually that, that's completely yeah. true. I can definitely imagine experiencing that, and I haven't yet. No. Um, like I, I'm still very much in the place where I'm like, kind of, well, you know, I, I kind of see why it's a classic, I suppose. But I, you know, mm. um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you might be right. Yeah, um, and Lisa gave it five stars, and she's quite funny because. Uh, she enjoyed it so much that she just it feels like she did this straight after turning the last page um the review is omg i love this book so much the review is coming soon and just sort of hits end. just like she's enjoyed it so much she's got to tell everyone straight I, I, I just, away i just got to go and I, i've got to dance <laughs> And then full review coming soon. I didn't see yeah. the full review, so um, obviously she's still not got around to Maybe it. She's just really enthusiastic about books, and she dashed that off, knowing <sighs> that she was never really going to get around to it because the you know the pile of books next to her bed is massive, and she has to move on now to read mm. you know Moonfleet or something. Yeah, yeah. Got a few one star reviews to go through. <laughs> uh, <laughs> As ever, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> um, I'd say, by the way, most most reviews. I came across were probably in the sort of four star category, which I think is about right for this book. I'd have given it that myself. Yeah, um, I agree with that. I, I would say three and a half to four. Myself, yeah, but, um, but definitely not a one star. So what, what's what's the beef? Yeah, Where's Renlund, the beef and what? Renlund begged to differ with you. He said, yeah. um, "I'll start with a provocative statement. I do not buy the hound in the title of the story. I'm a hound owner. I've handled more than thirty hounds, Russian Borzoi and Afghan." And the theory of killer hounds just does not stick. <laughs> ah, I see. I see. So yeah. it's. I mean, I suppose if you have a lot of first-hand experience of handling hounds and you really quite like them, you might have a problem with the <laughs> the main antagonist of the book. But, um, I'd love that yeah. I, if he was like, actually, I, I find this very offensive <laughs> to dogs. Dogs are not at all spectrally terrifying. Fucking hell! I hope he's never watched Scooby Doo. <laughs> Neither are they cowardly, even when enormous. <laughs> um, I, well, I suppose that's a fair point, but I, nah, I read a book on its own terms. Do you know what I mean? Don't. Yeah. It's, it wasn't. It wasn't published by Crufts. Also, what's the what's the crack with specifically using the word the term hound there? Like, because hounds just a particular yeah. word for dog, isn't it? It's cinnamon. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just. A, it's there's not like a technical definition of what a hound is versus what a dog is. 
Yeah, so, I don't know. I wonder if there's a. I wonder if they're a subset of a dog. So all hounds are dogs, but not all dogs are hounds. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I mean? I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it up because you know. Uh, yeah, let's learn together. Let's 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 <laughs> learn together. Here we go. Hound. Wikipedia. Wikipedia. <laughs> the free encyclopedia. Here we go. I'll be damned. He's right. I'm wrong. A hound is a type of dog yeah. that assists hunters by tracking or chasing the animal being hunted. Can be contrasted with the gun dog, which assists hunters by identifying the location of prey and/or recovers shot quarry. They were the first mm. hunting dogs. There you go. They have a powerful sense of smell and speed, and are remarkably uh, tolerant of having burning chemicals rubbed on their snout. <laughs> Apparently, according to Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, <laughs> don't do that. Yeah. The subtext of that joke, I'd like to be clear here, is that Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, in that specific instance, was a fucking idiot. Not that you should do that to your dog. <laughs> I quite like the idea of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle um, editing Wikipedia from beyond the grave. <laughs> cover his tracks. <laughs> <laughs> he was, you know, he was, he was into spiritualism, you know. It was later in his life, he was big on the idea of the, the dead talking to the living through mediums. So, um, so it just I love the idea of not really talking to the living through mediums, but talking through Wikipedia, this like <laughs> ultimate source for kind of rational fact based conversation. And he's like, Ooh, Ooh, I'll shit you right up, you bastards. Is <laughs> he the guy who believed in pixies or was that someone else? No, it was. Yeah, yeah, he was the man. Yeah. And that yeah. was part of it. He, he, it was the whatever that famous photo of the pixies is where they've clearly been drawn on paper. Yeah, and, um, and but they were, you know, everybody was like, "No, it's pixies." Look, there's a picture of pixies there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it just wouldn't stand up in the Photoshop age, would it? That? <laughs> no, it wouldn't. Like, it wouldn't get to the front pages. It would just be like, "Oh, it's Photoshop in it." No, but I saw them in front of my very no, it's Photoshop in it. Shut up! Like, you know, movie technology these days has made me believe that there is literally a tiger in a boat with a boy. That's Photoshop. <laughs> Yeah, Alec gave it one stars. He said, mm. um, spoiler alert, it's obviously Stapleton. You guys can't tell me that this was a complex mystery. I read this in secondary school and guessed it was the butterfly catcher as soon as he was introduced. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's profiling. I think that's, what does he do? Catch butterflies, does eat murderer. Bastard. <laughs> Yeah, it's always the butterfly catcher. <laughs> it's always the butterfly catcher. Who done it? Who done it? The butterfly catcher done it, as nobody has ever said in any other novel of mystery or suspense. <laughs> I, like, I love this one. Pete gave it one star, and his reason's amazing. He said, I read this one in middle school, and it freaked me out. Had nightmares and developed an aversion for large black dogs, like the neighbour's Doberman. <laughs> oh, oh. Oh, I, I mean, is that a testament to the power of the of, of the writing? Yeah, that, that should be surely that should be a five star. Yeah, it's an argument for age restricted book sales. That isn't it. Eighteen <laughs> certificate books. Warning: may induce lifelong crippling fear of Dobermans. <laughs> it's the kind of thing that a sort of a canny publisher would put on the back of the uh, on the back of the book. So scary, it makes you afraid of large black dogs for life. <laughs> yeah, whoever it is that does Stephen King's advertising would be all over that, wouldn't they? Oh, yeah. His publishers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, the, we've got one final review, um, which is a five-starer from Hulty. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hulty says, So, what do we have here? A dead man, a mystery about his death, a depressing land, a strange demonic dog, and Mr. Holmes, all in all. A great story. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I would agree. It's a it's a it's a story that is, I'd say is, is very much worth the sum of its parts. You know, you yeah. get all these great things together, and the the sort of the genius of Doyle, or what he does does so well, is he sort of makes the most out of all those things. I wouldn't say it sort of, it reaches that level where it sort of goes a, a step further and becomes s- s- truly spectacular but he does a great job with these really cool ideas he's come up with about this creepy old mansion in the middle of a depressing and gothic landscape and this sort of legend of a da- of a demonic dog and then the sort of the mystery and um, way that Sherlock Holmes brings these like uh, unsolves these riddles and these mysteries Mm. Yeah, really, really well put together. I really enjoyed yes. it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. 
Good stuff. Well, yeah. that's all for this week. We'll be back next week with a, a new. It might not. Oh, what are we doing next week? We're doing. Are we back, are on, we back the on the throne? throne? Back on the thrones. <sighs> By that time, isn't it? So we'll be back next week when we return to our second half of Game of Thrones: A Dance with Dragons. You ready? Ready to get yeah. back on it, Dave? I am ready to get back on the dragon and dance. It's like returning to an old friend. It's going to be exciting this because by the time we get through the next section, then we'll be sort of at the same point as each other. It's how much we've read oh, for the first time. I was going to say that. I've been waiting for this moment literally since we started this podcast <laughs> two and a whatever years ago. Two and a half years ago. I've been, oh, yeah. And that whole time, Matt's bunker full of spoilers has been a sort of malevolent hulking presence in the middle distance that I'm not allowed to approach. You know, it's <laughs> abandon, abandon hope all ye who enter here. A wiki of ice and fire is not your friend. All of that. <laughs> So I'm now actually, I'm pretty excited about being able to actually go and read all of this stuff that I've been a fan of for three years and haven't really been able to dig into yet. It'd be great. <laughs> yeah, so um, if, you, if you're if uh, you part of the Game of Thrones uh, fan base, a sizable Game of Thrones section of our audience, then your luck's in. We're back with it next week. Yeah. Uh, until then, have a, have a great week. See you later. Bye-bye.